and welcome back everyone to another episode of Dat Chat Podcast. I'm your host Austin and I'm joined by Jake and Jordan. Nice to be here. What's going on, buddy? You know, I say host, but I'm not really hosting anything. I'm more just talking, but I'm sorry. <laughs> Consumed by thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. But uh, I guess we'll just uh, move along from there. Uh, today's episode, and I think everyone knows we're probably going to be selling out just like everybody else on any internet source or social media account. Uh, we're going to be talking about the phenomenon that is GameStop and what it's doing to the stock market. Specifically, the trials and tribulations of Jordan. Ah, yes. <laughs> you, our resident expert on almost anything that I don't care about. Well, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I mean, my, my relationship to, to GameStop right now is purely emotional rather than uh, and financial rather than uh, anything else. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I got picked up in the upswing here. I'm not, uh, I'm not going to say that I was one of the super savvy counter shorters who got involved in the GameStop stock. Um, I actually happened to invest in it quite a while ago. Um, seeing that GameStop has been, I mean, cause all three of us are gamers here. We kind of understand the industry decently at least. And, um, seeing in the dire straits that GameStop has been in for some years now as people move more digital. I expected that there would be a sell-off or a merger at some point, and I figured the pandemic would eventually kind of speed that along. So about, I don't know, last spring, summerish, I started picking up shares of GameStop, thinking that by the end of 2021, beginning of 2022, it was going to implode. Uh, and then once an announcement was made that they had been acquired or they were giving their assets off, there might be a slight bump. Um, I didn't put much into it. I put in maybe a couple, a couple grand, uh, I believe was the initial investment. And um, I got a lot of shares because they were dirt cheap. And then <laughs> um, big hedge funds had been holding short positions that I assumed were just going to be rewarded because that's classically how the market works and our wall street bets on reddit decided nah <laughs> we're not about that so let's go ahead and bet against them and uh, i ended up getting picked up in that momentum um and ended up getting a massive uh valuation increase in my stock and that's uh that's kind of it it's kind of where i'm at right now so let's dive a little bit in i think we should kind of touch on what exactly this or wall street bets is on uh reddit because this isn't new they, they've been around for quite a while right if i'm not mistaken yeah yeah they've been around for some time uh i think they have just under five million members um i am also uh, one of which just another grain of sand on the beach <laughs> pretty much pretty much so throughout this group like what is their main kind of their interests are they are they day traders going about just talking about ideas or concepts or is this really what it seems to have been in the last week or two of hey let's find the, let's find the big guys where they've invested and let's see how to screw them so it's kind of a combination of the two right so our wall street bets is made up of like like the story that people are seeing on um the um, media right now is kind of like uh 
for lack of a better term, is the uh, the Robin Hood effect, kind of like the uh, poor being taken. Uh, it's a higher heights at the expense of the rich. But um, it, the reality is, is that Wall Street bets is it's a combination of <clears throat> higher income earner and investors and day traders, as well as regular people, middle income earners. Uh, you know, there's some low income earners in there as well, and some some poorer people too. But um, it's not 100% across the board a group that's just like, uh, <clears throat> uh, you know, poor people making great bets against hedge funds. Like there, there are a handful of leaders within the group who are really directing this kind of movement into the meme stocks and other things like that. But um, it's, it's largely uh, mostly regular people and regular traders who have come together to make financial decisions, have an interest in stocks. I mean, anybody who follows the stock market is <clears throat> probably involved at this point. In fact, I'd be surprised if they weren't in at least a couple financial groups over different social media. There's Facebook, Reddit, uh, Twitter. I mean, there's all these different groups and all these different locations within social media where people can get financial information, advice, community, all that stuff. Um, and uh, I mean, I myself am in a couple different groups. So it, it's one of those things where it's mostly just made up of regular traders, and um, we're not we're not hedge funds, you know. It's not like our Wall Street bets is being run by uh, hedge fund management or anything like that. These are mostly middle tier players. I think it's kind of the interesting piece too, is because they've had several kind of I guess plays that they've highlighted would be good moves. I mean over the years because this has been around like you said for a while quite a few that didn't pan out um so to say but i think can you kind of give us a little insight being someone who's a little more in tune kind of what what tipped the scale on this one specifically uh to kind of i think there was what a couple million people that ended up making this shift yes yeah, so um yeah it was it was a combination of a, of a couple um high income investors uh i know there were there's stories about people who have made huge amounts of money off of like you know 10 20 30 40 50k um <clears throat> we're talking like tens of millions range but uh i know of at least one individual who was a former business owner um himself that put in i believe it was around 75 or 76 million dollars on his end um and when we're talking about competing with hedge funds that have billions it's still a drop in the bucket but when you get millions of people together, and I believe the the group had close to like 30 or 40% engagement uh, confirmed or something like that on that, um, just based from their statements and from sharing their own uh, information, it's going to add up. It's going to add up, especially when you have people doing things like uh, cases of dropping their life savings in there, uh, and then they get the the rebound of everybody else continuing to drop their money businesses huge people like uh, elon musk uh and a handful of others have gotten involved too and that's going to give it a lot of exposure too um and so there, there's been a combination of factors that have really driven this up from celebrity to larger investors to communities coming together like our wall street bets and a lot of solidarity has come in behind that too i mean I don't know about you guys, but I'm watching a lot of different news sources on this, 
And the vast majority of people's response to this situation that I can tell is, yeah, screw those guys. Because there's there's a general lack of respect for Wall Street amongst average people. Um, because average people don't have – they work for their money, right? And the view against Wall Street and hedge funds is that these are people who do not work for their money. But they make money on the exchanges between working people and businesses or businesses and businesses. And even worse so is the fact that these people made money on shorting, which is kind of antithetical to what the market is supposed to be about. So for anybody listening who's not aware of what shorting is, shorting is essentially buying a stock at its stock price and then immediately selling it at that stock price, right? And I'm not going to claim that I'm an expert on this. I'm not going to claim that we're giving financial advice. So please, just this is for informational purposes only. So I should um, stop writing this down. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Aww. Don't don't pull your pen and uh, paper out for this. Um, but but a quick rundown essentially is that you're buying a stock at its price, selling it at that same price immediately. And the idea is that you're keeping the price from necessarily growing when you do that. And you do it at large scale and you're putting in enough money into that stock over time to continue to stagnate that price and cause the company to become devalued. And as the company becomes devalued because it's not selling at an increased price, it starts to go down. And that's when you start to get the opportunity for people to be able to buy in, hold, wait for the downtick, understand that they can make some of that extra money by shorting, and essentially, you can drive businesses down into the ground artificially even. Um, I mean, in GameStop's case, it's not like they were at the top tier of businesses at the time. Um, <clears throat> they've been struggling considerably. So, And they'll probably continue to struggle after this. I don't think this is necessarily going to save them, but I could be wrong. Um, but that's essentially what shorting is, is. It's a way for people to hedge their bets against the health and well-being of a business. Uh, or an industry, whatever it may be. And in, in a lot of cases, they can actually artificially create that situation through shorting and use it to make millions of dollars. And shorting provides no value. It doesn't provide value to a business. It doesn't provide value to uh, most investors um, who typically invest in businesses that they believe have a future, businesses that they support. That's typically how investing is supposed to work. You see a business, you say, they have a great model, they have great growth potential, great product or, or uh, different solutions, let's invest in it and uh, you know, try to profit off of their growth. Shorting is the, it's completely anti, uh, antithetical to that. So that's just the important thing to understand is that not only were people fed up with Wall Street and what happened in 2008 was something big. I know for people in our generation, I watched a lot of people I know lose their homes, lose everything, businesses. Um, yeah, 2008 was pretty devastating for uh, someone my age group just because they saw so many people lose it at all and not recover and get forgotten and nobody in Wall Street or banking was punished. So there's a lot of that lingering pain and anger from 10 years ago. There's memories of the Great Depression. There's the whole COVID situation. So a lot of things just came together this year um, that I think drove a lot of these people to be like, you know what? Yeah, we're going to listen to Elon. We're going to listen to the guys on Wall Street bets. And we're going to stick it to these hedge funds. 
Let them lose all that money. Let us make money off of their backs for once. And it's why you just you see so many people coming together on this. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those situations that has really floored me because people have always hated Wall Street, but they've always felt like they, they can't do anything about it. So now you see people doing something about it. You know, this isn't directly related, but it kind of reminds me of a, a really good documentary I watched on Netflix um, probably a couple of years back. It was called The Great Short. Um, kind of ex- explains in a little bit further detail the the thought process behind kind of undercutting those stocks. I think it specifically re- related to like Herbalife. So just kind of that volatility in the market and that breakdown is kind of interesting to me. Yeah, yeah. And it was... Uh in combination with that documentary the movie the uh, the big short a lot of people are familiar with as well starring steve carell and uh, christian bale um yeah it's it's really it's a, just a story of how people can profit off of others loss at massive scale and how wrong that can be how wrong most of us would view that to be and i think the really interesting part and I'd like to, I'd like to know what you guys think about this. Has been the reaction from a lot of the hedge funds in calling for new rules, regulations, uh, halts and freezes on trading. Um, I mean, what do y'all think about that? Being being not as invested into the market and invested into this as say like a, I am or the guys on Wall Street bets are. So much of it was hilarious to me because it was the whole "woe is me, I'm losing millions," blah 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 even though kind of we've talked about like this is the game they play on a daily basis. Um, so a lot of my social media has been more or less memes of just like crybaby hedge fund managers. Um, so that's been super entertaining for me at least. I don't know about you, Austin. Yeah, no, it's pretty much been the same for me. I I know a lot of them are trying to like put in uh, new regulations that actually make it so that this can't happen again so they can go back to their status quo and I hope to God that doesn't happen. But, excuse me. But other than that, it's uh, mainly just been a bunch of memes. And I really hope that the people don't actually take away from this that, oh, this is just a meme time, but this is actually a time to where we can actually voice our opinion and actually be heard or hit them where it hurts. Because I know there was that one time, um, it was a, I think it was what, like last year or something like that, it was Occupy Wall Street where the people just sat out in front of wall street pretty much and then just camped out and then you've got the pictures of the videos of the people upstairs just like watching that watching them laughing them while they're like sipping champagne and stuff like that and it honestly like it it didn't do anything to deter them from doing anything so to me this feels like it actually hit them where it hurt or something along those lines and it's it's definitely more impactful yeah definitely a little bit more devastating that kind of what you alluded to is the Occupy Wall Street and kind of we've touched on it a little bit is the reputation of Wall Street. How much, this is kind of another outlandish thing, but like how much do you think that was affected by the movie, The Wolf of Wall Street, like for damaging that reputation or do you guys feel that that's a pretty spot on representation of what these guys do? In my experience at the highest levels um and it's not like i'm rubbing shoulders with all these different people and hedge funds but i have met some people who are involved in the process who make a boatload of money um and it's very it's very much a mullet situation to me so 
and I say that because it's business in the front and party in the back. Um, I know people and have worked with people um, who make nowhere near that kind of cash. <clears throat> they make good. They make a good living. They make quite a bit of money. Some of them in the seven figure range. Uh, who party it up and who live it up with uh, a pretty lavish lifestyle um, for what they can afford. And I've seen the same thing come from individuals who I've worked with who are at that level of involvement in finance and stock. Um, so I have no reason to believe that it's going to be any different at the higher end. Now, that being said, the average person I know who's involved in the stock market is an average person, a middle income level earner around the range of us uh, or less. And most of them are very much involved in a grind process, right? Their, their mentality is way different from what I see from people who work for larger financial institutions and, and funds. And that is more trying to make enough and understand the market enough to live off of it and create stability for themselves where they're not necessarily tied to their job. They can live wherever they want. Um, it's really more of a survival mechanism for a lot of those people, whereas it's it's essentially a cash boat for a lot of people at the high end. Um, obviously, it's not going to apply to everybody. There's going to be people up there who trade on this and take it seriously and do it for their families and whatever else uh, to pay for what they need. But there's a lot of cash flowing at the high end of this. Um, <clears throat> and when you when you're making that kind of money for that kind of large uh, organization and institution, um, you know, it's, this is going to be a lot of money flowing around. And, and again, you mentioned Wolf of Wall Street. I think it's a perfect example because Jordan Belfort uh, still goes around and talks about crazy stories of stuff he did in his pre-prison and pre-reform days um, with other investors and stuff like that, like the orgies and the crazy cash flow parties and the drugs and all the other stuff that they were involved in. I mean, I've, I've seen people who have been involved with some of that stuff firsthand. Um, <clears throat> some of that stuff has been occurring at, you know, what should be business events and other things like that that I've been to in the past. So, yeah, it's um, it's a real thing. Kind of backing it up a little bit. I know we we alluded to the Robin Hood phrase, the fact of the the poor kind of being elevated off the back of the rich and uh I think it's funny. It's kind of hypocritical. I think we'll dive into it here. The Robinhood app. Um, this has been my favorite tweet interaction that I've seen on social media. It's back in 2016 when they kind of launched their platform or went more mainstream with it. Um, the tweet was that the people trade. So it was kind of this whole thing about letting the little guy in, being able to kind of make these bets and do your thing and uh, come into wealth just being the little guy not necessarily directly tied into the whole finance sector and they've gotten a lot of a lot of negative publicity uh, for locking out trades and holding people i know this is something that directly affected you so i uh, just kind of wanted your thought on that because my favorite like i said tweet has been people have quote tweeted that tweet from 2016 um after they locked out trades and wouldn't that you buy or sell um it was kind of like hey robin hood is this you and just kind of your thoughts on how hypocritical you think just their branding for their platform is now where you see it going for them if there's going to be any type of change or reform or what's what's next for that app so oh, I know. Oh, oh, yeah yeah go ahead austin go ahead no nah, I, was, I was just gonna i'll just probably back you up whatever you say so yeah. <laughs> um yeah i so 
I've got, again, from an emotional standpoint, uh, quite a bit of anger, um, <clears throat> as well as disappointment in, in Robin Hood. I mean, like, they, what they did with the limiting of trades, um, I think, kind of stands against the, uh, the process of the free market and what they signed up for as a business to get involved in. However, from a business standpoint, I also understand that because what people don't realize, too, is that Robin Hood also had their own issues in terms of potentially going under, um, which, again, it's part of the game when you're a market-focused business. So uh, my sympathy is limited to a point. But, yeah, I mean... The, the concept of being able to limit the buying and sharing, artificially bottlenecking how many shares can be bought or sold, exerting that kind of control. Um, and it's not just Robinhood either. Um, I think what Google did was hugely problematic too in removing, I think it was like 100,000. I don't know if it was quite that many um, negative reviews for Robinhood as well. Um, which again... Yeah, I mean, it's just both of those situations are ridiculous to me. But it it shows two things to me. One that they definitely felt this. All right, like Wall Street corporations, big, whatever you want to call it, tech, you know, big business, whatever. They definitely felt uh, what happened here. They did not feel the Occupy Wall Street movement. They laughed at it. Um, it was nothing. I mean. It, it didn't affect them, but they got hit in their pocketbooks pretty hard. They got rattled by this one. So, one, we saw that this had an effect by the actions that they took. Two, we saw that we have to have alternative options. We have to have alternative engagement. We need to not trust that social media is going to be equitable for everybody. Um, and we need to start looking into alternatives uh, and creating our own alternatives. Um, I think that this showed that there need to be more players and competitors to not only the investment trading apps, um, and I think people should start looking at getting their own brokers and other things like that, but also just alternatives to Google, alternatives to Facebook, alternatives to Twitter. Um, I mean, I know everybody... You, craps all over parlor because of the hot mess of free speech um that their uh platform is at this point but i'll take something like that existing and allowing people to have an alternative to the mainstreams than not having it at all um <clears throat> because i i think it's a huge problem when facebook or google can effectively shut down a movement uh if reddit can do something like that discord which uh you know we use heavily um for a whole lot of different applications <clears throat> mysteriously shut down their page for hate speech at the time and again like i i can't possibly know the truth on everything but it's oddly suspicious at the timing and it's it's pretty hard to give discord the benefit of the doubt on that one so yeah, I mean it's 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 an issue. Uh, personally, I, I was unlucky as one of those people who had uh, this stock tied up in Robinhood, um, and on the platform, and my inability to trade for a bit kind of hurt me for sure. 
uh, or at least to buy, hurt me for sure. Um, <clears throat> but you know, it, it's one of those things where I have the option to pull my portfolio from there and uh, move on somewhere else, and I have since done that. You raise another good point there. This is something I haven't looked at um, in the scale of things. Is would there have been a difference, say, because obviously that platform locked you out? If you had a financial broker or a manager or something, would it have been counterintuitive to his interest so that you could keep doing what you were doing? Or would there have been a kind of a different approach you could have taken with that broker to be able to do what you wanted to do when you were locked out of Robinhood? Well, I mean, if you have your own broker, they're getting a percentage on, I mean, like they're, they're getting a payout as you're getting a payout too. So realistically, if the, if the stock that you're getting involved in or, or your portfolio is looking to have some growth, it makes sense for them to ride the wave with you. Um, and, and there's different, there's different levels of individuals that you can get involved with in terms of trading stock, right? So you can go for really cheap options where essentially they're just kind of like order takers and you can go for higher end options where you have somebody who really actively looks at and manages a portfolio and that's going to come with different levels of cost, right? So in, in terms of having a broker making trades and, and doing those types of things in a more direct way, you get more of a benefit on both ends of that because they typically get more of a benefit on both ends of that as well. Now, granted, if I had a broker who was working with me on shorts and other things like that, um, you know, we would be both kind of scrambling around right now, um, but I would still be obligated to pay that broker too. So it's one of those things where you're, I would say you're better off um, going for the broker, going for the highest end broker you can possibly afford with the most benefits and, and uh, additional features and coverages. Because there's a, there's a lot more that just comes with stock. You can get financial planning. You can get a whole lot of other services and things like that at the high end too. Yeah, kind of what I thought was interesting, I think it was uh, probably Thursday when this really hit, kind of steamrolled and hit a peak on media and uh, a lot of the kind of policy and actions from TD Ameritrade and Robinhood and all those platforms kind of came out the same day I got hit up by a kid I went to college with um, about sitting down and talking about financial planning. So I don't know if it was directly tied to that, like they were trying to get people in the door for their companies um, and kind of capitalize on some of the buzz that was going on or if it was just honest random timing on his end. But it was it was kind of funny to me that, hey, I'm, I'm tracking on this story this morning. I'm watching the ticker. I'm trying to see if my buddy's going to get out of this a millionaire. All of a sudden, dude slides in my DM. Hey, man, you got time to talk about financial future? Yeah, That's you're funny. you're gonna see a lot of that too. Actually, it's funny you mentioned that. Of multiple people from uh, college, people that uh, graduated even some years before I even started, have uh, hit me up about things like that through the community connections that we have on like LinkedIn and other areas uh, about financial planning and these types of things. And something else I think is worth mentioning uh, to anybody who might be listening. Make sure if you're going to get involved with somebody who does financial planning or does that kind of work uh, in finance and is targeting you for business, make sure they're a fiduciary. Absolutely, 100% make sure they're a fiduciary. Not everybody who works in the financial sector is a good actor. Um, 
a lot of them do not necessarily have your best interest at heart. Uh, if they are a fiduciary, they are legally required to put your best interests at heart. And um, I'm so glad you explained that funny word. Keep keep that in mind with stocks too. Uh, the different groups that you get involved with, whatever else. I mean, it's uh, you know, it's a mixed bag. It's why I've hosted a lot of my. I've I've worked uh, individually on stocks with brokers in the past, uh, and on some things I still do. Um, I've used platforms. I've used uh, Robinhood, Webull, a few other different things for different groups of stocks uh, and other things that I'm investing in. Um, but it's it's I think diversifying that platform set is good because like some of the stuff that I have had uh, was not affected by the Robinhood lockdowns and uh, all that stuff. But some of it uh, was, and in this case, it was my my biggest group of of holdings and such. So I'm re-looking at that all the time with who I'm working with, what kind of engagement, what platforms I'm using, how I'm engaging with the market. Um, but uh, it, it's very important that you're involved with individuals who have your financial well-being and your financial interests at heart, especially if you're paying them. Don't don't pay somebody who's not like a fiduciary. Don't pay somebody who's not uh, absolutely 100% focused on your financial needs because then you're wasting your money. Kind of surprises me that you actually had to look into financial companies now to see who might own them or who has ties with them before you even decide if you want to use their platform now yeah for every legitimate actor out there there's half a dozen bad ones uh mm -hmm. in every industry and in every focus right so i mean you know for for every uh high-end boutique out there there's a wish.com so you gotta make sure that you're just being you know uh diligent on that and and doing the homework and looking into and evaluating the companies and the individuals that you work with and uh asking the right questions to make sure you're protecting yourself so but i'm also i'm also somebody who's super paranoid about all that so <laughs> it's uh it's you know as much a personal thing as a professional thing i gotta ask you then real quick uh so how what's um i guess what's your opinion knowing that uh platform like Webull, who's owned by uh, things like majority Chinese uh, business, is actually was actually able to trade all this stuff while American stuff wasn't? Uh, yeah, again, I think it shows the cracks in the system. I think it shows how truly unfree, um, undemocratic a lot of our processes are. Um, and I, I think, again, it, it further pulls back the veil on this idea that because we're a capitalist country, it somehow equals freedom. Um, because we we have a, a constitution that gives us a bill of rights, it somehow equates to we're the most free and greatest country in the world. Um, and that's not to say that China is somehow amazing. Like there's, China has a lot of its own problems and is doing some pretty horrendous stuff uh, in other areas too. But it shows that the, people need to stop thinking about the idea of American exceptionalism and thinking that we're somehow this perfect country that can't improve anything, that can't do any better by its people, that can't have better regulation or better organization or better competition. And that the, um, you know, again, like terms get thrown around all the time, like socialism for the rich or, you know, capitalism for the wealthy. But the rest of us are kind of locked into these different systems. And it's something I've believed at my core because I've lived it every day. I know you guys have lived it. I know that most of us 
struggle to make a decent wage, to get good benefits, to get any benefits in some cases. And you talk about a workforce of millennials that are the most educated that's ever been around. I know my cousin, my younger cousin, um, graduated from college, I think it was last year. And, you know, he's he's uh, early Gen Z, and they're getting put in the same boat as we were at his age. So, you know, and um, I have another cousin who's in college right now and will be almost certainly coming out of uh, <clears throat> uh, time in college looking at a similar market. So, you know, I, I think about what they're going to experience uh, going into the workforce and the difficulties that I had when I came out of school and just how hard I had to work uh, and, and how much better I had to be than the other people around me uh, on a day-to-day -day basis, even though I was more educated, even though I knew what I was doing better than they did just to get where I am right now. And on the one hand, it's it's good to have that grit and have to push through it to get your peace. But at the same time, people shouldn't have to, I mean, like there are a lot of times where I was living in fear of like, am I going to be able to afford this? Especially in those first few years when I came out of school, paying down my debt, all that other stuff. I'm like, can I do this? Can I make this? Like, you know, it was something where I had to hesitate a lot. And there's a lot of people who live in that situation in their 40s and 50s these days or, or older. And pay has continued to go down. Benefits continue to go down. Older people who get into a profession continue to get fired because younger people are willing to work for less. Um, you know, it's, it's a really bad cycle. And I think this sheds a light on the way I look at the situation is it's not only Wall Street, but this sheds a light on a whole lot of other inequalities, income inequalities, other things like that. Um, and you're seeing some even conservatives talk about this now in ways I've never seen them talk about. Um, and it's it's just, it's incredible. I think there may actually be a focus on shifting. And I, I think that our Wall Street bets has a lot to um, be thanked for in kind of kicking uh, the camel in the ass or uh, the donkey in the ass or whatever you want to call it um, and getting a reaction. That kind of leads into my next question because I know in a lot of our topics, we discuss kind of decentralization, kind of breaking up the control, putting new boxes around how things operate. Like, what do you think possibly, like you said, there's um, conservatives and whatnot talking about this process. What do you think maybe next? Where are the, the chances for opportunity? Um, kind of your thoughts around that. Well... Being cynical, um, I see changes coming. I don't necessarily see them being to the benefit of regular people. Um, although I, I do think there is some room for optimism in there, and that it shows that people are willing to people are willing to take their dollars and their cents and speak with them at this point. And I think it also speaks to the fact that knowledge has been democratized in a way that I think many in leadership and, and positions of power never foresaw when the rise of MySpace or Facebook happened, you know, uh, 15, 16 years ago. Now I can't believe I'm saying that. But um, it's 
it's kind of a mixed bag, right? I think there's still going to be opposition and pushback, but I also think that regular people and what they're going through with, again, the pandemic and the job situation, the economy, the general disdain for Wall Street and shorting and all this other stuff, I think a lot of that is combining um, to let kind of come to the forefront and talk about issues of, you know, income inequality, talk about issues of, you know, access to medical care that's actually equitable and doesn't put you into medical debt if you have your life saved. Um, talking about these different types of things that are beneficial for everybody across the board is becoming more and more mainstream. I saw recently even Fox News um, had justification that maybe some of the, maybe some things like UBI or universal uh, healthcare may actually be good elements of uh, of capitalism that we can afford to implement. I mean, to see like Fox News talk about that was insane. So, um, you know, it, is, as those ideas begin to percolate in the collective mind and as they become more and more popular, and again, something like universal healthcare, when you look at the polling data, it's already a majority of people support it. A, like 80 something plus percent of Democrats support it, registered Democrats support it, and independents are in a high rank. And like it was like 50 to 60 percent of Republicans even supported it. So when these types of things are not getting passed with such large levels of support amongst a mixed bag of people with different ideologies and, and thoughts, that tells me that there's resistance coming from up top, not resistance coming from ideas or resistance coming from people who are legitimate actors who are like you know maybe this this has some issues or maybe it doesn't it tells me that majority of people want this and there are actors in place that are keeping that from happening because typically when you have a majority rule on something like that in most cases like in in the schoolyard majority rule ruled when i was a kid so it tells me that there's both desire for change amongst the majority of people and also that the resistance is more clearly defined and so it makes it easier for us going forward to target the specific problem points in the country uh not just for this issue but for a whole lot of others so we have the advantages of data and other things like that to really help us out these days so there is some optimism there for change all right, so kind of closing off the, the serious seriousness of the topic, kind of diving in. Um, obviously, there was other things targeted besides GameStop. Uh, like we said, this, sure? this is a massive kind of a thread on Reddit. Um, so I'm just going to I'm going to throw these up to you guys. You tell me if you're in or out on these other stocks. All right. I'm ready. OK. All right. Yes. All right. <laughs> All right first one's up. AMC. Yes. In. Why? The memes. Yeah. Yeah, to be honest, as much as it may be kind of a joke, uh, the memes. Fair enough, fair enough. Okay. BlackBerry. This one's weird to me, just thinking, because I forgot that Blackberries even exist. If they do, I don't know. I don't know what the company does besides the old whole keyboard on the phone. Are you in or out? In. And I have been in on BlackBerry for a while. I don't have any right now, but if I did, yes, in. You're in? Okay, okay. Theoretically, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, BlackBerry. So basically, right now for me, everything that we're going to be talking about is theoretical. So, <laughs> fair enough for me. Yeah, Black BlackBerry for me specifically, rock solid tech, rock solid security. Um, as, as far as uh, mobile tech goes, BlackBerry has been phenomenal. Love BlackBerry. 
big fan. And even if they get sold off, the the valuation of the the tech that they employ and use is so high. Um, I, I definitely see them being worth investing in for sure. All right, next up, Bed Bath Beyond. I am in. You lost me on that one. Why is this a thing? Why is what Bed Bath and Beyond? Why, a why thing, is yeah? Why not? why is Bed Bath and Beyond with these tech companies? <laughs> well. Bed Bath and Beyond. I mean, again, you have to remember though too, like the whole thing with GameStop. They're not a tech company; they're retail, right? So Bed Bath and Beyond uh. falls in that same space. And AMC is entertainment focused. So this is yeah, I understand. This is really a, a bag of mixed assets we're talking about here. Okay. Um, so that's that's the big thing too. I think, I think personally that one that one scares me the most, just because I've I've seen just personally tons of bed bath and beyond stores closed permanently so i just don't know the, the viability of the future of that and like i know this has been maybe this is one of those quick turnarounds where it's like we pump it and dump it kind of thing but bed bath and beyond for me uh it's gonna be a hard pass uh, to keep up with memes yes <laughs> <laughs> all right last one i got for you guys nokia in meme yes strictly because every time i hear the word nokia I automatically hear the little sound tone afterwards. So I'm in on that one, 100%. Uh, I just think of the brick. Absolutely. The indestructible brick. The indestructible phone. Nokia. Yes. <laughs> Can also be used as a weapon. I definitely think it'll be interesting in the next week or so to kind of see how those shift. Some of them already have massive jumps around this whole thing. Um, so, so definitely something to watch, uh, see what's on the horizon as the next ones that get pitched. But. Yeah, and, and for my part, the, the biggest reason why I'm in on all of these is because uh, I have most of them as part of diversified groups of stocks. So the losses that I would take personally on a lot of these uh, GameStop aside are uh, going to be pretty nominal because um, <clears throat> the, the gains that I'm expecting from them would also be proportionately nominal. Uh, so it's not like I have uh, my life savings tied up in... Uh, in these things either not yet not yet yes not yet <laughs> not till tuesday afternoon <laughs> you could go full meme lord i don't know i don't know if i could pass uh i actually i caught up on uh the wan show i don't know if i'm gonna pass yep. this is 50 k that uh that call you had with yvonne was a little little hairy for me i don't know if i'd want to be in that same position <laughs> well you're single so you don't have to worry this is true all right, well, I guess I'll go ahead and open it up to you guys if you have any kind of closing questions, thoughts. No, no, not really on my end. Um, I've got one question for you guys, though. A after seeing all oh, yeah, this, well, after I also seeing have a the, the uh, impact that people are making here um, from our Wall Street bets and other groups and areas, what what would you say is your outlook on the stock market on getting in uh being invested even even if it's just a diversified say you know s p 500 index or something like that is it something you're more likely to take an active interest in stay away from i mean what's what's your general vibe on the on the stock market and wall street coming out of this uh for me honestly it's just um the fomo aspect anyone doesn't know it's fear of missing out so i i I'm thinking that or I'm letting that guide my decisions or like determining my mood at the moment. So I just got to remember that stuff like this can happen again. It probably will. So 
I mean, if I'm going to get in, get in, but don't expect it to be as drastic as a um, net return or just a return just because like all these things are happening. Like, yeah, I'll probably end up getting something out of it, but I'm not going to get my hopes up like too much. See, that's where I'm at with it too. Is like, this has created this, it's that opportunity aspect, right? So like you said, the FOMO, like, hey, something massive happened. I could have been a part of that. And how do I not miss out on the next thing? And like, you hear all the talk going around about getting in and doing these other things before it's too late. So I definitely think there's a push, at least for me personally, I'm like, okay, I need to actually figure this out. I need to put it into realistic terms. Like we talk about this a lot, Jordan, is like, you're, you're talking a couple hundred bucks here, a couple hundred bucks there on returns and which all, when you Put it together that goes a long way so obviously this isn't going to happen to everyone trying to jump in the game you're not going to get in on a ten dollar GameStop stock and then sell it off for 480 dollars a share um especially your first bat through uh, but it definitely it intrigues just because there's that opportunity aspect to it and i think this just put a highlight on it and i don't think i i speak solely for myself uh, i'm sure there's several people that are like man maybe i should i got a little bit of disposable income maybe Maybe I should start thinking about doing something other than that than just letting it sit in my bank account. Yeah, and I think, Jake, you especially made a good point in talking about opportunity there because from my perspective, I felt reassured in how I invest by this whole situation um, because I'm, I'm somebody who believes in investing in a company that, it, that you believe in. I, I don't invest in companies and industries aside from, uh, you know, some indexing uh, across the market for, you know, financial security, retirement focus and stuff like that. But um, I don't pick individual stocks and individual industries and companies based on how much I think they're going to lose out. I'm, I'm looking for growth. I'm looking for companies that have a really good product or solution, good potential. Or um, in the case of GameStop, I invested because I believed that there were assets that could be um, put to better use at other companies or reinvested with other companies in a, in a sell-off or a merger of some kind down the line. So seeing that, seeing how people have reacted against the hedge funds here, seeing what the general tone is, it just makes me feel like a, I guess, not scumbag investor is <laughs> the good way to, to put it. Um, because I, I don't want to go into the market with the intention of making a ton of money off of the backs of people failing. So um, it, it's really reaffirmed how I invest, how I look at the market. And I just feel really emboldened by seeing a whole lot of other people come out of the woodwork who, for various different reasons and backgrounds, um, kind of share the same mentality. So even if it is for the memes, uh, it, it hit me a little more deeply than that. And uh, really really made me feel good about uh how i invest in the market and want me to continue to be involved in that i got yeah, i really hope oh, i was just gonna say i really hope that uh, eventually the uh if there are any new policies in place that it doesn't actually hinder the kind of trading how it should be done and that it just doesn't support the way it's been going on so for, uh, for now so like uh, or sorry the way it's been going on I guess in the past, what, like 20 plus years now since uh, what the 80s or something like that is when it's this whole like normalization of how it's been, how the trading has been done. So I just hope it changes, but for the better for everybody, not just for hedge funds. So taking a page out of the 26 Robin Hood, let the people trade. 
let them trade. <laughs> All right, guys, I appreciate you joining me on this episode. Obviously, uh, one of our more well-rounded ones, I think. We had somebody that was actually on the inside directly affected by the topic and uh, got to kind of break it down for people who may have, may have missed it, uh, maybe kind of had an interest in getting involved. So definitely appreciate you guys coming together this afternoon to put this episode out. Yeah, it was a great time. Really had a good time with the guys. Thanks. No problem. I'll take my stocks later. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll divvy up the shares after. But uh, we'll catch you guys on the next episode. Make sure you like, follow, subscribe, wherever you're listening. And we'll catch you on the next episode of That Chat Podcast. Thanks, everybody. See you around.